The scripture reading this morning is, first of all, Exodus 2, the first 15 verses, to the one to the first part of verse 15. And after that, we read Hebrews 11, the verses 23 to 28. And this is Exodus 2, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of God. And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew. And she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he sought to kill Moses. So far the word of God. Let's also now read Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews, you might remember, is the chapter about faith. First verse says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it gives examples of faith. And we begin reading at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I'm sorry, I should have started at verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith Moses, when he became of, became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And the text is the verses 24 to 26. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Beloved congregation, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine that you were offered you were offered a fantastic job, career, uh, the career of your dreams, you could say. Huge salary, half a million dollar salary, free housing, luxury car, possibility of traveling to different places for the job, a life of, you could say, of extravagance, but you say no. You refuse the job. That's something like it must have been for Moses. He had lived many years in great luxury in the palace of the Pharaoh of Egypt already. Lived the life of a prince with all the rich trappings of royalty. Ready to take a high position in the court of Egypt, one of the world powers at the time, the stepson of the daughter of the Pharaoh. All the possibilities and opportunities were open to him. He just had to say the word, and it was all taken care of. He could have lived his whole life in luxury like that, but he didn't. He said no refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, it says in the text. And we'll pay attention to that this morning, and I proclaim to you Moses' choice. And in the light of the text, we'll consider first, Moses refused. Secondly, Moses chose. Thirdly, he saw. And finally, he believed. So first of all, Moses refused. So we read in Exodus 2 how Moses went out to his people and looked on their burdens. His people. That was the people of Israel who had become slaves in Egypt. They had to make bricks. And they had to carry those bricks to build cities for the Pharaoh. And they were driven by slave drivers who beat them. These slaves were his brothers and sisters. And he looked on their burdens, it says. The implication is then that he, he didn't just go as a detached observer, look and then go back to the palace and have supper. But he went and looked at what those Israelites had to endure, knowing he also was a Hebrew and having compassion on them in their suffering empathizing with them, wanting to deliver them even from their suffering. 
how should I do that? And congregation, in that we see, we see the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ already living in Moses too. The same spirit that Jesus had in his ministry already lived in Moses too. Think of how it says in various places in the Gospels that the Lord Jesus went out and saw the crowds and had compassion on them. Jesus was a son of God who, who left his glory in heaven, his home with his father in heaven, to visit his people. And he looked on their suffering and had compassion on them. It says in Matthew 9, 36, for instance, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were wearied and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He made himself one with his people and there was deep desire in him to help them to deliver them. Well, the Old Testament mediator, Moses, showed that same spirit of the great mediator, Jesus. In fact, that same spirit of the Lord Jesus will live in everyone today too who is truly united with him by faith, the spirit of compassion and caring, wanting to help others, giving what one is able for the work of mercy, taking time to make a meal for someone in the congregation too who is injured or disabled, seeking the spiritual well-being of the others, your brothers and sisters. Oh, you could, you could use your, your money, your time and energy for other things, for your own pleasure too for yourself, but Moses, Moses didn't do that. He refused to be called a prince. And that's quite something, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. I've, I've never had the opportunity to refuse $500,000 because it's never been offered to me. And if, if it's never offered to you, then you, you never have the opportunity to refuse it either. See, if to, to refuse something means that it's been offered to you freely, held out to you, maybe even pushed on you. Think of Joseph in Egypt hundreds of years before Moses. Potiphar's wife said to him, come and lay with me. But Joseph refused. It was pressed on him to have sexual relations with that high up lady. And don't think he wasn't tempted, he wasn't a block of wood, but he refused. If you think about it, refusing is a very biblical word, a word that belongs with living close to the Lord, it belongs to a life of faith and repentance in this world, that you refuse certain things, refuse what's so appealing to your flesh, to your sinful nature. It's enticing, seductive, tempting. Others around you say, come on, go with us, do as we do. And by nature, you, you want to. But as believer, you refuse. You say no to your flesh. And that no can be a big choice, a choice that impacts your whole life. Like with Moses, it can also be a small choice a one occasion choice, an evening out somewhere with friends or partying, but you say no. 
If you think about it, refusing is part and parcel of a life of faith and repentance, brothers and sisters. That as a member of Christ, you need to say no to others who invite you to take part in something you know isn't right. Maybe friends in church even. Or that you need to refuse things that are so attractive to your sinful nature, but which, you, which take you away from your Savior who gave himself for you. No, no to porn or cheating on taxes or passing on slander about somebody. Or maybe even drugs. You see that refusing is actually a constant thing for Christians. A daily battle requiring constant prayer. Lord, renew me by your spirit so that I'm able to say no when I need to in order to stay with you, to keep following you. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, can you say you're a real follower of Christ if you seldom or never refuse something offered to your sinful nature? If you just follow your feelings and your flesh, how can that be? Jesus Christ said no to himself. Your Savior said no to himself when he agreed with God the Father to submit himself and become man and to suffer and to die in a cursed death for you. And he had to say no his whole life through here on earth because every day he lived was another day which was supposed to take him closer to the cross and to the depths of hell which he was going to suffer for your sake. Think of how the Son of God wrestled with himself in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night when he was betrayed. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Think of the words of the Savior in Luke 9. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Following Jesus Christ means self-denial, saying no to self above all. So brothers and sisters, young people, don't be afraid or don't be ashamed to refuse something. It's every true Christian's daily struggle to say no. We come to the second part of the sermon. Moses chose. So he refused. And Moses refused because he had chosen. The text says that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. What's that choosing about? Think about that. Imagine, brothers and sisters, imagine boys and girls. Imagine, boys and girls, that your mom would give you the choice of either this or that for dessert. A big ice cream bar or a big bowl of jelly with whipped cream for dessert. Difficult choice. You love both, right? And maybe you'd say to your mom, can't I have both? But then it's no choice, is it? Choosing is not this and that, but it's this or that. That's what it was for Moses. He refused one and chose the other. But now let's think about the two things Moses had to choose from. On the one hand, you had the treasures and the pleasures of the Egyptian royal house. 
living in the palace as a prince of Egypt, living like he wanted. No need to deny himself anything at all. And the culture and the, the, the rich culture and, and religion of Egypt, that religion of Egypt, the sun god Ra and the idolatry that came with that and all the fancy, fancy things that happened with that. The text mentions the, the passing pleasures of sin. Maybe when he was a young man, he even participated in some of those, those pleasures too. But even if he didn't take part in all those sins there, he was immersed in the life of, of Egypt in the court. Immersed in it. So he was also unable to do anything good for the people of Israel. So that was, that was on the one hand. On the other hand, there was a life of the people of Israel in Egypt. They were slaves, poor, whipped, beaten, forced to build whole cities, chased on, literally worked to death, horrible existence. Living in Egypt was living like living in a big Nazi concentration camp for the Israelites. There was great suffering. The Israelites were the people of promise, future promises. I will be God to you and to your descendants, and you will be a blessing to people of all nations on earth. But those promises were for the future. At the present, there was only misery and affliction. So Moses could choose one or the other, and he chose to belong to those Israelites chose the affliction. He made the choice obvious by going out to them, wanted to identify with those people of God, the people of God, the people who had to endure so much but had God's eternal promises. And it's the same today too. Today the Church of Christ is more and more being looked down on in our nation, in the Western world. Faith in the Bible is looked down on more and more attacked by atheists and humanists. Humanism is, is gaining ground. God's creation of all things out of nothing in six days is a fable. How can you believe that? Sin and hell are considered outdated concepts, so why would someone call Jesus need to bring salvation? And how could dying on a, on a cross actually save people? And what's wrong with, with abortion, killing un, unwanted babies? or with same-sex relationships. Congregation, I'm sure you sense the rising tide of anti-Christian sentiment in the Western world. You, you sense that here too. Do you still stand for Christ and his word, or do you show that it's your choice to hear? Do you show that it's your choice to adhere to God's word and will and to as you belong to Christ's church here, even if it means being made fun of or put down or even persecuted by others. And here, here we can think of our brothers and sisters too that are persecuted in, in places like North Korea or Iran or China or Saudi Arabia, how Christians are treated in those countries. Would you choose to be part of Christ's church if you lived in those places? In North Korea, for instance. Possessing a part of a Bible can mean death for you, imprisonment. God wants us to publicly profess our faith, but he doesn't only seek an official public profession like that one time. He wants us to show our commitment to him 
not only being a church member here, but also how we live from day to day in this world with other people around us. What we do at work, also in the classroom, wherever we are. He, he wants us to choose for him and for his people daily and in every circumstance, even if it has negative circumstances for you. And then you can't be part of this and that. No, the choice is either this or that, remember? That's what choosing it. You can't keep your life and lose it at the same time. You can't say, I'll live the way I want and whenever it's advantageous to me, I'll identify with God's people. Remember, Jesus said that if you want to maintain the say over your own life, you're going to lose it. If you think you can cherish some sin in your life for your selfish pleasure or satisfaction and still be a Christian at the same time, you have not chosen. You're still in danger of losing your life forever. It's one or the other. And we, we know we need to lose our lives to God, don't we? To let Him have the say over our lives. In Adam, we chose for ourselves. And that's now in our nature. Also as Christians yet, we want to be able to serve God when it's to our benefit. Otherwise, we want to serve ourselves. The thing is, we have to repent and choose for God's people, His promises, His way of life. And then we'll be able to refuse too every day again. Say no. And we come to the third part of the sermon, Moses saw. So we saw that Moses refused because he had chosen and he chose for persecution, for being afflicted with the people of God, as the text says. And why did he choose as he did? Because he saw. It says in the text, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He saw that the reproach of Christ was greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. I mentioned choosing between two desserts before, a big bowl of jelly with whipped cream or an ice cream bar. Could be a hard choice if you love both jelly and ice cream, but this choice is a lot different. Moses' choice was between the life of a prince or the life of a slave. His choice was between a life of luxury and ability to do whatever he wanted and a life of being dirt poor and forced to make bricks in the burning sun or getting beaten up if you didn't make the quota. Just looking at it on the surface, it wouldn't be hard to choose between the two, right? But think about it. On the one hand, you had what our text calls the reproach of Christ. And that means suffering because you belong to Christ. Christ suffered mockery, rejection, beating, you suffer that with Christ because your hope of your hope in Him. But whatever you suffer with and for Christ, you see that that has an incredible value. It means peace with God in Christ. Knowing that the Almighty and Sovereign God loves you and wants to work all things for your good. It means the curse hanging over your life is gone. It means dying and being raised with Christ. It means being heirs of all things with Christ. 
And then you see that belonging with Christ makes you incredibly rich. You see that. Rich in peace and joy and hope. And then to suffer for and with Christ, that's actually even sweet. Think of the apostles after they were arrested and they were beaten by the Jewish leaders. It says in Acts 5 that after they left the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Christ. They saw it as a beautiful thing. Suffering verbally or physically for your Savior, you see, will only solidify your assurance that you truly belong to Him and that you are heir with Him of eternal joy and everlasting treasures. Are your eyes, the eyes of your heart, open to that wonderful treasure? On the other hand, there was that life of luxury and pleasure and ease in in the palaces of Egypt for Moses. Wine, women, and song, all available to Moses. Called the pleasures of sin in the text. How deep a person has fallen if he or she finds pleasure in sin, ignoring and going against God's will. Sin is rebellion against the Holy and Almighty Father who created you, who gives you life. It's striking God the Son who gave his life for you on the cheek. It's grieving the Spirit who promised to work in your heart. And sure, sin can certainly be pleasant to the flesh then. Sin promises excitement, promises gratification. But those promises are actually a big, fat lie. Notice how the, the text speaks of the passing pleasure of sin. Passing means brief just, it's here and it's gone. Poof. The pleasure one finds in sin is fleeting like that. Even if that pleasure lasts for a lifetime, say 90 years, when it's over, it's gone. Gone totally. Forever and ever. Life here is fleeting of itself compared with eternity afterwards. Think of it. If you live your life with the passing pleasures of sin, what comes afterwards is an eternity without one second of enjoyment at all. That's what hell is. No God, no pleasure, no joy forever and ever. Well, Moses, he saw. He saw through the outward appearances and then he realized how the reproach of Christ was worth far, far more than the passing pleasures of sin in the palace of Egypt. He saw that. Amazing. Seeing how for the most part he had grown up and lived separately from the people of God, but he obviously knew their story and about God and his promises. And he saw clearly in his heart the value, the incredible value of serving the God of promise over against the poverty of a life of sin without God. A life without God. It says in the text that he was looking to the reward. He saw that reward. He looked to the reward that the Messiah would obtain for his people. Eternal peace with God. And in our text, the Spirit of Christ wants to open the eyes of our hearts too. So that we also see 
and that we keep seeing how living with Christ, suffering his reproach even, is worth so much, much more than all the pleasures of sin this world has to offer to us. By nature, we're, we're so blind to seeing that. But the Spirit can open the eyes of our hearts with the gospel so that we see. We were blind, but now we see. So let's stay busy with that gospel every day and pray in the name of our Savior that the Spirit will open the eyes of our hearts and keep them open to the reward there is in Christ too. Keep that ever before us to the true riches and the eternal pleasures there are in Jesus Christ, following Him no matter what. We'll come to the last part of the sermon. Moses believed. Congregation, how was it that Moses saw, chose, refused? It says at the beginning of the text that it was by faith. Faith. Which sees what isn't on the, sees what's below the surface of things. Moses refused because he had chosen, he had chosen because he saw clearly what was truly valuable and he saw the truth of that by faith. And faith, as it says at the beginning of Hebrews 11, is a conviction of things not seen with the physical eye. Moses looked to the reward of eternal salvation and peace with God because of his faith. Faith worked in the heart by the grace of God through the working of the Holy Spirit. Moses knew about those promises. And you can imagine how much the life in Pharaoh's palace must have bothered him. Probably more all the time. And how more and more upset he was at how God's people were being treated, mistreated. That was the work of the Spirit of Christ through the, the promises of the Word. And yes, Moses' anger boiled over. And what he did was wrong. Strike down that Egyptian and murder him and bury him. But still, by God's grace, he chose in faith and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And this isn't revealed to us so that we say, oh, what a good man Moses was. It's so that through prayer and the gospel, the same faith Moses had will live in you. For it was the Spirit of Christ working in him through the word that he had been taught by faithful parents. Amram and Jochebed, parents who you can be sure also fervently prayed for, for Moses. You see here how wonderfully God blesses the instruction and prayers of parents. It says in Exodus 2 that he was with his parents until he grew up. Maybe until he was 12 or 13 years old, which was considered grown up in those times. And you can be sure they instructed him during those years as a covenant child. For as long as they had him at their home, they would have, have taught him and prayed for him. Especially, you can be sure, when he left them to live in the palace, what a place of danger and temptation that must have been for him. And he lived there for years and years, so maybe 15 years. Maybe Amram and Jochebed thought, he's going to forget us and what we're about. 
Maybe he'll be totally taken up with the riches and pleasures there are in Pharaoh's palace. And you can, you can be sure then that they prayed for him. And it becomes apparent that God blessed their instruction and he heard their prayers. He watched over Moses. Parents, what an encouragement to never let up instructing your children at home and praying for them. Even if they're out there somewhere and you don't know where, pray for them. So we need to say, what a gracious God. What a gracious God. From a purely human point of view, it would have been totally reasonable and understandable for Moses to be absorbed into the royal life instead of going for the reproach of Christ with the Israelites. But faith, it says at the beginning of this chapter, isn't logical human reasoning based on so-called facts. The only reason Moses could see what was at stake here, would, could actually see what was at stake here and and he could choose for reproach and refuse the pleasures of sin in the Pharaoh's house was because of faith. He saw because of faith, faith which the Spirit of Christ worked in his heart through the word of promise. That's how he came to say, give me the reproach of Christ with God's people rather than all the pleasures of sin here in, in the palace. The reproach of Christ. Hebrews 11 is in the New Testament, but... Moses lived in the Old Testament, so how could Moses actually know about and choose for Christ, as it says in the text? He couldn't have known about Christ and his work yet. But congregation, Christ was certainly there already for Moses. The Savior had been promised to Israel, the mediator, the Messiah. He was, in fact, in Israel this Messiah was already in Israel by promise. Christ was there in the DNA of that enslaved and suffering people, the Hebrews, and Moses knew it. And that's why he could choose for that people when the time came. He didn't know the Savior by name, but he knew about him and did, in fact, choose for him and he saw in the people the, the Hebrews the foreshadowing of the promised Messiah Jesus Christ the mediator between God and men he wasn't just drawn to Israel in other words but to Christ as promised to Israel to the promised Savior in faith Moses was able to look beyond the suffering of God's people in Egypt to the new Jerusalem already. The city without foundations, with sure foundations, the, 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 the glorious eternal reward of all who love Christ, where all suffering and struggle is over and done, and where God and the Lamb live with glory, together with all the redeemed forever and ever. Congregation, listen to the gospel. And pray that the Spirit will work and continue to work that same faith in your heart so that you can see beyond the outward things from day to day 
also when it becomes difficult for you. So that you can choose for the promises of God things not seen. And so that you can deny yourself and take up your cross and follow your Savior, Jesus Christ, all the way to his eternal reward. Amen.